Chapter fourteen of the Gorilla Hunters by R. M. Ballantyne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Adele de Pignoroles. Chapter fourteen. Our plans are suddenly altered. Wicked designs discovered. For several weeks after this, we wandered about in the woods searching for gorillas. We were very successful and shot so many that I had the satisfaction of making elaborate notes of specimens of nearly all ages and kinds but an event was looming in the future which we little thought of, and which ultimately compelled us to abandon the gorilla country and retrace our steps toward the southern part of the continent. One day we set out, as was our wont, to hunt for gorillas, accompanied only by our faithful follower Makaruru. It chanced to be a lovely day, and the country through which we were passing was exceedingly beautiful, so that we found more and more pleasure at that time in conversing together on the beauties of nature and the wonderful works of nature's God than in contemplating our chances of falling in with game. "'It's a splendid country,' said Jack, as we walked along under the shade of some magnificent ebony trees. "'I wish that we were inhabited by a Christian people. Perhaps this may be the case one of these days, but I don't think we shall live to see it.' "'There's no saying, Jack,' observed Peterkin. "'Does not the Bible speak of a nation being born in a day?' of course that must be figurative language nevertheless it must mean something and i incline to think that it means that there shall be a time when men shall flock rapidly and in unusually great numbers to the saviour it may be so observed i but i have made up my mind on this point that christian people are not sufficiently awake to the terrible conditions of the natives in countries such as this or to the fact that they have much in their power to do for the amelioration of both their temporal and spiritual welfare i for one will if spared to return home contribute more largely than i have been wont to do to the cause of missions talking of that said peterkin do you think it right to support the missions of other churches besides your own do i think it right i exclaimed in surprise of course i do i think it is one of the greatest evils that can befall a christian if he should become so narrow-minded as to give only to his own church and think only of his own church's missions why surely a soul saved in the matter of rejoicing in heaven ought to be a matter of joy on earth without reference to the particular church which is the instrument used by the Holy Spirit for that end. I feel very strongly that all Christians who love our Saviour with deep sincerity must of necessity have a warm feeling towards his people in all churches. At any rate, we ought to cultivate such a feeling. "'Who can these be?' exclaimed Jack, stopping and pointing to some figures that appeared to be approaching us in the distance. "'They are negroes at any rate,' said I, "'for they seem to be black and are evidently naked.' Warriors, too, if I mistake not. They have not yet observed us. Shall we hide and let them pass? Jack hesitated a moment, then leaping behind a bush, cried, Ay, tis well to be cautious when nothing is to be gained by daring. These fellows outnumber us, and war parties are not to be trusted, at least not if these of Africa resemble those of North America. Hollow, there's a white man with them, cried Peterkin, as he peeped over the bushes behind which we were hid. You don't say so, eh? So there is. Come, we have nothing to fear from the party of a traveller. "'What, Mac, you shake your head? What mean you?' Makaruru increased the shaking of his head, and said, "'Me don't think dat, Massa. Perhaps have more to fear than you think.' "'Oh, stuff, come along. Why, Jack, it seems as if gorilla hunting had failed to improve your courage.' As Jack said this, he stepped out from among the bushes and advanced to meet the strangers. Of course we all followed, and although we carried our rifles in a careless manner, as if we expected no evil, yet we held ourselves in readiness to take instant action if necessary.' The moment the negroes perceived us, they set up a great shout and brandished their spears and guns, but the voice of their leader was instantly heard commanding them to halt. They obeyed at once, and the European stranger advanced alone to meet us. 
as he drew near we observed that he was a splendid-looking man nearly as large as jack himself with a handsome figure and a free off-hand gait but on coming closer we saw that his countenance though handsome wore a forbidding stern expression "Dey am a slave dealer whispered our guide as the stranger came up and saluted us in french jack replied in the same language but on learning that we were englishmen he began to talk in our own tongue although he evidently understood very little of it you travel alone with the natives inquired jack after a few preliminary remarks yes sir i do's replied the stranger who was a portuguese trader according to his own account you seem to carry little or no merchandise with you said jack glancing toward the party of natives who stood at some distance looking at us and conversing together eagerly i has none with me true but i has much not very far off i bees go just now to seek for ivory and ebony and uh, what you call them barwood the man corrected himself quickly but the slip confirmed makarooroo's remark and our own suspicions that he was a slave dealer the day is far gone he continued putting as amiable a smile on his countenance as possible perhaps you will stop and we have dined together although we did not much like the appearance of our new friend or his party we felt that it would be uncourteous in so wild a country where we had so few chances of meeting with white faces to refuse so we agreed a camp-fire was speedily kindled and the two parties mingled together and sat down amicably to discuss roast monkey and venison steaks together during the course of the meal the portuguese trader became so communicative and agreeable that we all began to think we had judged him harshly we observed too that makarooroo and the negroes had fraternized heartily and our guide was singing and laughing and making himself agreeable at a very uncommon rate so much so as to call forth our surprise max seems to be mad to-day observed peterkin as one of our guide's jovial laugh rang through the wood and was echoed by his new acquaintances bees him not always so inquired the portuguese he's always hearty enough replied jack but i must confess i never saw him in such high spirits as he seemed to be in just now it must be the effect of meeting with new faces i suppose ah suppose so remarked the trader i was struck with the manner in which this was said there was a tone of affected indifference such as one assumes when making a passing remark but at the same time a dark frown rested for one moment on his brow and he cast a piercing vindictive glance at our guide next moment he was smiling blandly and making some humorous remark to peterkin i looked at my companions but they had evidently not observed this little piece of by-play it seemed to me unaccountable considering that the two men had never met before so i resolved to watch them i soon observed that makarooroo's mirth was forced that we, he was in fact acting a part and i noticed once or twice that he also cast an occasional stealthy and piercing glance at the portuguese it afterwards turned out that both men had been acting the same part and that each had suspected what the other was doing when our meal was concluded we prepared to resume our separate routes i goes to the west observed the portuguese in a casual way as he buckled on the belt that supported his hunting knife indeed i understood you to say you were going south no you have not understood me i goes to the west very long way then sir i wish you a safe and pleasant journey said jack lifting his cap the same to you sirs and good plenty of gorillas to you farther north they be more plenty adieu we took off our caps to each other and saying farewell we turned away and soon lost sight of the party ho oh, the yeller-faced villain exclaimed makarooroo between his clenched teeth after we were out of earshot why what's wrong mac inquired peterkin in great surprise ho oh, noting particular replied the guide with an air and tone of sarcasm that quite amused us him's not go tout ho oh, no him's go west ho oh, yes 
Hims advise us to go north. Ho, dear. Dat berry clibber. Berry mush clibber. But we is clibberer. We is. Ho, ho, ho. Our worthy guide looked so terribly fierce as he uttered this fiendish laugh that we all came to a stand and gazed at him surprised. We fancied that something must have deranged his mind. Mac, said Peterkin, you are mad. What mean you by such grimaces? Pursing his lips tightly and looking at each of us for a few moments in silence, he finally crossed his arms on his chest, and turning eagerly to Jack, said with extreme volubility, "'Dat rascal, dat thief, him's no traitor, him's slave-dealer. Him's no go west, him's go south. And wait for him's go? What for him's carry guns so many, huh? Him's go—' Here the guide dropped his voice into a whisper of intense bitterness. "'Him's go for to tack village and take all peoples away for be slaves. No fave for him.' thief take them by force why how did you come to know all this said jack or rather to suspect it for we cannot be sure that you are right what no can be sure me right oh yes me certain sure me very clipper stop now did that him that thief speak very much certainly he did a great deal his yo and did him make you speak very much i rather think he did replied peterkin laughing at our guide's eagerness his yo him's did and did him ax you plenty question all about where you go and where you come from and de way back to village where we be come from and did him say when him find you was from de south dat him's was go west though before dat him's hab say dat him's be go south eh certainly said jack with a thoughtful look he did say all that and a good deal more to that effect his yo him's did me know berry well me see him and me also do to de niggers what hims do to you me talk and laugh and sing den me ask them questions but dey berry wise dey no speak much but they manage to speak enough for me yes me bon bon eh boozle suggested peterkin this bamboozle them all together ho <laughs> ho after a little further explanation, we found that this Portuguese trader was a man-stealer, on his way to one of the smaller villages, with the intention of attacking it. Makarooroo ascertained that they meant to proceed direct to that of King Jambai, first, however, getting one of the neighborhood tribes to pick a quarrel with that monarch and go to war with him, and we now recollected, with deep regret, that in our ignorance of whom the Portuguese was, we had given him a great deal of information regarding the village of our late hospitable entertainer, which might prove very useful to him and very hurtful to poor King Jambai in the event of such a raid being carried out. But in addition to this, Makaruru had ascertained that it was possible that, before going to King Jambai's village, they might perhaps make a descent on that of our friend Mabongo, with whom we had left poor Okandaga. It was this that raised the wrath of our guide to such a pitch. The instant we heard it, Jack said, and that settles the question of our future proceedings. We must bid adieu to the gorillas at once, and dog the steps of this marauding party, so as to prevent our good friends Mabongo and Jambai being surprised and carried into slavery, along with all their people. It seems to me that our path is clear in this matter. Even if we were not bound in honour to succour those who have treated us hospitably, we ought to do our best to undo the evil we have done in telling their enemies such about them. Besides, we must save Okandaga, whatever happens. What say you, comrades? Of course we must, said Peterkin. I also heartily concurred. "'You's a good man,' said Magaruru, his eyes glistening with emotion. "'If I did not stand by you at such a time as this,' replied Jack, smiling, "'I should certainly be a very bad man.' "'But what are we to do about our goods?' inquired I. "'We cannot hope to keep up with these robbers if we carry our goods with us, and yet it seems hard to leave them behind, for we should fare ill, I fear, in this country if we travel as beggars.' "'We shall easily manage that,' replied Jack. 
I have observed that one of our niggers is a sensible, and, I am disposed to think, a trustworthy fellow. Do you mean the man with the blind eye and the thumping big nose? inquired Peterkin. The same. Well, I shall put him in charge and tell him to follow us to Mabango's village. Then we four shall start off light and hunt our way south, travelling fast as we can, and carrying as many strings of beads by way of small change as we can stuff into our pockets and fasten about our persons. The very thing, cried Peterkin. So let's put it into practice at once. Ay, this very night, said Jack, as we hurried back to the spot where our goods had been left. As we went along in silence, I noticed that Peterkin sighed once or twice very heavily, and I asked him if he was quite well. Well, ay, well enough in body, Ralph, but ill at ease in mind. How can it be otherwise when we are thus suddenly and unexpectedly about to take leaves of our dear friends the gorillas? I declare my heart is fit to break. I sympathize with you, Peterkin, said I, for I have not yet made nearly as many notes in regard to these monster monkeys as I could have wished. However, I am thankful for what I have got, and perhaps we may come back here again one of these days. "'What bloodthirsty fellows!' cried Jack, laughing. "'If you talk so, I fear that Mac and I shall have to cut your acquaintance, for, you see, he and I have got a little feeling left.' "'Well, it's natural, I fancy,' observed Peterkin, "'that gorillas should feel for their kind. However, I console myself with the thought that the country farther south is much better filled with other game, though the great puggy is not there. And then we shall come among lions again, which we can never find, I believe, in the gorilla country.' I wonder if the gorilla has really driven them out of this part of Africa. Some think it probable, observed I, but we cannot make sure of that point. Well, we can at all events make sure of this point, cried Peterkin, as we came in sight of our encampment, that lions are thick enough in the country whither we are bound, so let's have a good supper and hurrah for the south. It's a bright prospect before us, a fair lady to be saved, possibly a fight with the niggers, and lion, and elephant, rhinoceros, alligator, hippopotamus, and buffalo shooting by the way of relaxation in the intervals of the war. End of chapter 14. Recording by Adelde Pinoroles.